project resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. Do you need a specialized recruitment partner to send you only qualified candidates? Do you need interim staff while you conduct a search for a permanent employee? Or are you losing hires to competitors? Renowned Talent recruits experienced HIM, RCM, and CDI professionals using their trusted candidate screening and retention process for health systems and employers around the U.S. Whether you have one or multiple openings that you need to fill ASAP, please visit Renowned Talent. And tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. Again, visit RenownTalent, R-E-N-O-W-N, Talent.com, and tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to. Do not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Everybody, welcome to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. On today's podcast, I have Sean Weiss. Sean Weiss is the host of the Compliance Guy podcast. He also hosts another podcast called Coffee Compliance and Chuckleheads. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. Uh, Please make sure that you follow the Not Also Classified podcast on your major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also please check out our YouTube channel, the Not Also Classified podcast. You can check out the Not Also Classified podcast on social media, including Facebook and Instagram. You can check out our Facebook groups. Everything will be linked in the comments, but you can go to medicalcodinggeek.com services to sponsor a video or audio to promote your business or brand. Please feel free to reach out to us. You can also check out the CEU hit list where it offers free CEUs for AAPC and AHIMA. That's been very popular. I just released the newest list for October, not too long ago. And also you could check me out. My name is Brian Kui. My last name is spelled C-U-I on LinkedIn. So on today's podcast, Sean Weiss shares his journey uh, in healthcare from wanting to start in medicine, pre-med, but found his way into business, into healthcare business, into coding. He talks about how the CPC at that time was the most difficult test he's ever taken. And then from there, he moved into compliance. So you'll hear how he navigated through his career and then finally led him to his passion in healthcare regulatory compliance. And I think at the end, we get into discussing his podcast, The Compliance Guy. And I think the most important question that I ask him is, where did the hat come from? Because that's how I... Uh, was connected through Sean was finding this gentleman with a hat on doing a podcast talking about regulatory healthcare regulatory compliance 
So without further ado, this is part one of two of my interview with Sean Weiss. Enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. As you notice, I have a hat on because uh, I have here today on the podcast, Sean Weiss, a.k.a. The Compliance Guy. How are you, Sean? I am fantastic, Brian. How are you? And thank you for uh, thank you for making me feel at home. <laughs> we were just talking. You just flew into uh, Central Florida, and you're literally, literally like 15 minutes away. I could have driven to you, and we'd have had a, a, a in person podcast. But I know you just landed, <laughs> and you're hungry. You're waiting for your food. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure during the the recording of this podcast, you'll get a. Hey, room service. <laughs> yeah, well, there's no room service, unfortunately, with the pandemic. So it's uh, it's an Uber Eats night. Ah, okay, okay. Where are you? Yeah. What, what kind of food are you getting from Uber Eats around this area? I had to I had to go with my favorite man. I am like an Asian food junkie. Okay. Um, tonight's uh, a, a little sesame chicken. Okay. Some fried rice, yep. some egg roll, some yep. wonton soup. That's my stuff, man. That's my, that's my jam when I can get good Chinese food. Very good. Very good. Good choice. As long well, as it's not Panda Express, I'm all right. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it is good on, on, a, on, a, on occasion. I guess just yeah. certain, certain, it depends on what the Certain times of the night on certain nights. There you go. <laughs> what it calls for, but uh, but I know Orlando is great for uh, yes. Asian food. But I think where you're at, it's probably going to be like another 30, 40 minutes away from you if you want to really get some good Asian food. Anyways, how did I connect with uh, Sean Weiss? I was just explaining it to him, and I was trying to figure it out before we uh, we started this podcast. And uh, I have I've had on the podcast compliance related professionals. And I've had Sanal Patel uh, from the Paint the Medical Picture podcast. I've had Jordan Johnson on the podcast as well. Great guy. And I think because I had linked up with them, the way the algorithm for LinkedIn work, uh, the way it works is anytime they like somebody's post, it comes on my feed. And what had happened is that I guess I see uh, this uh, in the feed, a guy with a hat and a microphone doing a podcast compliance, AKA compliance guy. And I'm like, wait a second, that's pretty cool. And, and then uh, I'm like, so I, I, we, that's how we connected on LinkedIn, just um, just making a connection. And then from there, I got reached out by the National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants. And they wanted to send some guests over uh, and the first guest was you. I'm like, wait a second, you're sending me <laughs> Sean Weiss. I, of course I know Sean Weiss, AKA the compliance guy. So this is where we're at today. So again, thank you for being on the podcast. I know I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions of course, where you came from. Uh, and I, of course your podcast. Um, the one thing that pops out of the podcast is the fact that you have it on 80 platforms. So we'll, we'll definitely get into that, that, that to me, I'm just probably a selfish question. Like, how did you get it to 80 platforms? I only have it about to just the major ones, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I'm like, what are the other, you know, 70 plus <laughs> platforms that are out there? And you're doing great numbers that, I, that I've noticed in just about five months. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure other podcasters that have um, 
that have started as a result of them being on a, as a guest here would definitely be interested in that. All right, so let's jump to the first question because I know your food is probably on its way. First question, Sean, uh, how did you get, I'm sorry, where did you come from and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, 20, if 27 years ago you said to me, you're going to be working in regulatory compliance in healthcare and you're going to be doing a podcast and auditing medical records and writing policies for different agencies and stuff like that. I'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm the kid who, you know, uh, was more focused in high school and in college about playing sports and doing all the fun things, not sitting down and reading and studying. And, um, you know, I was, um, I was pre-med and um, I started hearing these things about something called discount fee for service. And I was like, wait, what, what do you mean discount fee for service? I'm about to go through medical school, spend the better part of my life, <laughs> you know, learning anatomy, physiology, you know, um, chemistry, you know, microbiology, you know, getting into, you know, studying, you know, the art of medicine, learning scientific methodologies, things like that. And, you know, now you're telling me that, you know, the 80s Mercedes are gone and I'm going to be getting paid based on something called an RBRVS. I was like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. Um, I'm going to find something else to do. <laughs> and I remember, I remember calling my grandfather and my grandmother uh, because they're the ones who raised me. And um, I said, I, I think I'm going to be leaving med and, and going into business. And I just remember hearing a click on the other end. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? Um, I look back over 26 years that I've been in healthcare and doing the things that I've had the privilege to be able to do. And, and it really has been a privilege. Um, and I will tell you, I don't think I would change one single solitary thing. Um, you know, some people say, you know, if you had it to do over again, would you have stuck with medicine? Knowing what I know now, um, and the passion that I have for humanity and for caring for people. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I would have I tried to be a little bit more mature in my decision. Um, but, you know, I don't have one single solitary regret about what I do. Um, you know, I, I started off in this industry, uh, as I said, 26 years ago, um, you know, working, answering the telephones, uh, scheduling appointments back then, wow. you know, when I started, um, I actually got started in high school in 1989. I joined a program called HOSA health occupations of America. Ah, okay. Yep. And I got a chance to do ride alongs and ambulances and, you know, work in the emergency room and get to, you know, work in, you know, uh, what they used to call the theaters, you know, most people call them the operating rooms. And um, <clears throat> it was just an amazing time. And back then, you know, I, I got hired on to this multi-specialty group um, uh, 
and I was answering telephones. We didn't have computers back then. We had paper scheduling books. Yeah. <laughs> and I know for some of your younger audience, I'm probably blowing their mind and they're like, oh my God, how ancient is this guy? Yeah, that's right. Um, but, you know, that's how we did it back then. You know, we scheduled people in a book. Um, we made phone calls the night before to remind them. We didn't have electronic medical records. We had paper records. Um, but yeah, and you know, in, in 1997, I took my very first certification um, that was required uh, from my employer, and it was the CPC. Oh, wow. And I tell, yeah, I tell people all the time, um, that was the hardest thing I had ever done in my entire life. It was ridiculous. It was. It was, mm. I studied for a year before I took that test because Amazing. it, you know, it, it wasn't what it is right now. You know, the test has adapted to change over the, you know, over the last couple of decades and, you know, for better or worse, it is what it is. Um, but that was, that was honest to God, the most brutal thing I've ever done. And I just, um, you know, I, I started getting more interested in, you know, um, the practice management aspect of it. And I took, um, the certified medical practice executive, the CMPE through MGMA, which was another nightmare. And then from there, I just, you know, I, I started really kicking into gear with regulatory compliance, health law. Um, and, and that's sort of the trajectory that my career went on. Um, a lot of times I was in the right place at the right time. Um, knew the right people who were looking for somebody to take on a new challenge. And I think that was the thing for me that I never shied away from was a challenge. I may not have had a clue as to what somebody was talking about, mm -hmm. but I was willing to learn. I was willing to study. I was willing to put in the time. And, you know, um, I, I think, you know, those early years of buckling down um, helped me to understand the kind of discipline that you have to have in this industry to be successful. Yeah. So let, let me let me ask this question. How, how did you why would why was the CPC your first credential? How did you kind of stumble upon that? Yeah, great question. So I was working for tenant health systems in um 1997. And I was, um, I was a senior analyst um, working in the central billing office of the MSO, the Management Service Organization. Mm. And I was doing some really fascinating stuff and I was supporting the leadership in the MSO on understanding claims denials, um, data management. Um, in 97? Wow. Yeah. It was crazy because, uh, you know, what my very first consulting job in this industry was working for a company called the Medical Management Institute based mm -hmm. out of Alpharetta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. Awesome, out, uh, you know, outfit. Um, they, you know, sold years later. But I did a job. Uh, I did a consulting project through that company for Tenet and hit it off with the CEO and members of the MSO at that point. And they were you know, they offered me an opportunity to kind of expand. And I was like, well, you know, this sounds really cool. And it was a great experience because um, 
you know, they were really big with the data. And I got to move into a compliance officer position for the MSO, and I became a liaison between the MSO and the physicians in the region. Mm -hmm. And part of the condition of me moving into a higher level position was I had to take this test called the Certified Professional Coder. And I was like, (laughs) I didn't even know what it was. And I was like, all right, yeah, cool. No worries. And then I got these manuals because back then they didn't have boot camps. Right. You know, I'm really dating myself now. I didn't have people that I could reach out to because nobody knew what the CPC was. It was a handful of people. And I wound up studying for a ridiculous amount of time. And I took this test and I was like paralyzed with fear. I mean, I was like, oh my God, I'm just hoping for a 70. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just, nope, nobody's going to know what my actual score was. So let me just, let me just get a 70. You're not going to get a medal if you pass, if you get a (laughs) hundred. No, but, but what they told me the day before, I'll never forget the day before um, the the CEO of the region called me and he said, Hey, want to wish you luck on your test tomorrow. And just to let you know, if you don't pass, you're going to be finding another job. And I was like, Holy (laughs) crap. Are you kidding me? So yeah, it was um, it it was it was tough. But, That's a nice you know, pep talk right there. <laughs> it was best best pep talk of my professional oh, career. Um, nothing nothing is a better motivator than fear. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I passed that, and I don't know. From there, I just was like, okay, what else out is out there? So you know, back then they had um, the CPC dash P, which was for the payer side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they changed that credential to like the COC or something like that at a later Mm -hmm. date. And then I moved on from there and, um, you know, studied for the CPMA, the Certified Professional Medical Auditor. And then along the way, I took credentials with Practice Management Institute out of um, Texas. I think I took like five or six of there. So I don't know. Somehow I wound up with like 10 certifications (laughs) after my name and it's like – I don't even list them on anything at this point right now. Yeah. Um, but I will say this, yeah. you know, I, I spend the vast majority of my time um, in federal court, um, both in civil cases and in criminal cases. Um, and even beyond a bachelor's degree or a master's degree, you know, these certifications have significant um, impact. Right. You know, when, when you're being introduced by a prosecutor from the department of justice, or if you're working on the defense side and defense counsel is qualifying you as an expert and you watch the facial expressions of the jury, or if it's a bench case and you're watching the facial expression of the judge, you know, they go through and they introduce each one of these 10 credentials and they give an explanation of what it is. And all of a sudden, you know, you are this, this expert, right? Like my wife looks at me sometimes and she's like, I just don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) My wife does the same thing too. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I, I mean, I've been married for more than two decades 
to the most amazing woman. She's a first responder. She's a nurse. Nice. Uh, she's Mine a too. practice administrator. Yeah. yeah. A, lot of, a lot of stuff in common. We're both coding geeks. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I will tell you, um, you know, I think anybody who is a young and aspiring healthcare professional um, or even somebody who has been doing this for a good period of time, who's looking for more self-satisfaction, more gratification out of their job. I will tell you, um, I'm a good old boy from South Georgia, right? Um, hard work, studying, perfecting your craft, being as close to a perfectionist as you can with what you do, there's nothing you can't accomplish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after 26 years, I hope that my legacy that I can leave behind for, for the next generation coming forward is that, you know, they go, this is a guy who worked really hard, who was a grinder. When he wasn't grinding, he was working. When he wasn't working, he was grinding. And, you know, um, you know, I, I, I hope that I can be what people refer to as a trusted source. Like for me, you mentioned names, Jordan Johnson. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love Jordan. He's, he's one of my favorite chuckleheads. Um, <laughs> this guy is a data guru. He's a master yes. at his craft. That's the reason why I had him on the podcast. Yep. Yeah. Sanal Patel. Mm -hmm. um, she's just, she's the class of the coders, man. Not to say others aren't, but I know Sanal. I know what she stands for. I know the hard work that she puts out. I know how incredible she is as a coding professional, as an auditor, as a medical professional. You know, Terry Fletcher mm -hmm. is another one who's just absolutely sensational. Um, so, you know, I look for people who are wildly successful in their craft, and I try to emulate that. And, and, and I always look for inspiration. You know, somebody like yourself, you know, I didn't really know who you were um, until just when we got a chance to speak the other yeah. day. But, you know, I've, I've watched your podcasts. I've listened to multiple podcasts. I listen to the content that you put out. And, you know, you're an inspiration for me, right? Because you know your stuff. And that's what's so important. And, and that's the point that I guess I'm, I could have probably said this in two, two seconds, <laughs> but like my wife, my wife is like, God, you could talk about a rock for an hour. Yeah. Um, but you know, if, if you find passion in something and you do it because you have a love for what you do and it's not about the money, you'll succeed. You'll be that's right. the best I at agree. what you do. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I started medical coding geek, it wasn't because I wanted to start a business. It was the same thing. You had a passion. Um, you wanted to, like you said, you could talk about a rock for about two hours. I could do the same thing, <laughs> you know? And I could, yeah. I could, the thing is that when people ask me to, to speak at events, I'm, I'm asking them, well, how much time do you need? And somebody told me 30 minutes. I'm like, that's it. I, I just get started when you tell me 30 minutes. And so I tell them, maybe I could do two hours. Like, oh, that's too much. But I'm just getting started after the first hour. Like, you're, you're kidding me, right? And uh, I think just the passion of just what you've done, the same thing, like what I've done 
is you need to let people know. And uh, initially at first it was like, okay, am I a trusted source or I'm just one to just, I have a lot to say and I want people to listen. And I, I think that's the reason why I created this podcast on top of just letting my thoughts out, but at the same time to meet people like yourself. I think what's very important with, with networking, especially with uh, young professionals is just doing that. And, yeah. and what, what's intriguing with your story so far is you've started in one area, medicine, and I see you, you got into business. Was it just straight business, uh, business administration? The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with MedicalCodingGeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com/shop and use promo code Geek15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup h a u g e n group.com/shop and use our promo code Geek G E E K one five at checkout. Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education, created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Yeah, it was business administration, but I see, I always knew that I wanted to do something in healthcare. Right. Um, you know, really since high school. And um, so my concentration was business administration with an emphasis in healthcare management. Uh, okay. Okay. So like a health services administration yeah. business yeah. type of thing. And, and you've leveraged to me that that's a, that's a great degree because I, I, I did a video on my, my other channel, uh, medical coding geek on transferable skills. And you mentioned mm -hmm. certifications and, and there's always talk about, do I need a master's? Like I, I'm, I'm always asking myself, do I, do I need a master's? And I, and the last guest that I had got her doctorates, but her pathway was different that it required the same thing for you. You need to get your CPC yeah. or you're fired. Uh, yeah. she was in acad academia. Uh, arena and she stepped in with a bunch of doctorates people with doctorates so she has to step herself up um so the idea is i i guess what i'm saying is is i mean the degree doesn't matter is as, as what your education you know you what you compile with your education your certifications and what people don't what i, what I want people to realize is that you know it don't just look at the certification in itself. Look at the components of the certifications that got you there. Like you say, it's a, you took a year. I'm sure a whole entire year 
That's what I yep. wanted to ask. Also, what did you learn within that year? What what did you what are some of the takeaways from that sure. year that helped, you know, made that made you the 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 compliance guy, you know? And yep. so what what I want people to realize is that even though you have a certification or certifications or not even a master's, you could take one aspect of it. Because one thing that I did on a on a video is I analyzed the master's program and it had 11 courses. And one of them was data analytics. Okay, you could run with just that, you know, and, and go on that direction. Another one was privacy and security. Shoot, you could just take that one course and run with that. Another one was project management. Man, you know how many, <laughs> if you could oh, yeah. just take that one course and get certified in, in, as a project manager, you could run in that direction as well. You know, yeah, so those you, are some of the things that you can do. And it's not just, you know, certified. You could, I think the key word that I've got out of that was transferable skills. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, you know, here's one of the things that I've, I've recognized in our industry. <clears throat> and I'm talking about the coding, billing, auditing, compliance world. <clears throat> Folks that we work with take their certifications very, very seriously. Mm-hmm as they should. And the way, because I've been asked in court many times by defense counsel, by prosecutors, help me to understand the differentiator between your certifications. And I explain to people, well, you can look at them in the same way that people would look at a traditional college degree, a bachelor's, a master's, a PhD. And I said, now, I'm not trying to tell you that my CHC, you know, my CHC through HCCA is a PhD, but that is the gold standard when it comes to regulatory compliance, right? You could look at the CPC as somebody earning their bachelor's degree. Because to me, that was as hard, if not harder than anything that I did, including QMB, quantitative methods of business, right? Um, I looked at the CPMA as a master's level degree because now I'm a certified professional medical auditor. And that's a hard certification. And then I looked at you know, the things that I did beyond that, you know, the CEMA, the, you know, CM, you know, the CMC, the CMCL, all these. And, you know, I tried to look at each one as another layer onto my foundational credentials, right? So for me, my foundation credential was my CPC, because that was my coding. Then I did my CPCP, which allowed me to be proficient on the payer side. Then I did my CPMA, right, which was my auditing. And then I took it to the next level by getting the certified advanced medical auditor, you know, the CEMA and or certified evaluation and management auditor, excuse me. And then I did the CMCO, which was the certified medical compliance officer. And then I did the CHC. And each one for me was another layer to reinforce that foundational education that I had acquired. And, and and it's really funny because, you know, this whole compliance guy title, right? Yeah. 
Um, you know, I've had people that are like, wow, did you really just brand yourself that? And I was like, actually, no, that was, that was branded on me. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, you know, over the years, you know, I've given anywhere from 75 to a hundred lectures a year around the country. Wow. Uh, that's how many speaking events I've been asked to do. A year. Um, a year. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's a reason why I'm a diamond two million miler on Delta. Wow. But, um, but you know, um, it was really funny. I was at the um, – um, oh, my God. It was the American College of Rheumatology um, several years ago. And um, I was with Aunt Tanya Chung, who is the executive director, and this physician came walking up to me. And he goes, you're that compliance guy. <laughs> Swear to you. I've got five grandbabies, man. That's where it came from. And I said, yeah, I'm Sean Weiss. And he goes, you're the compliance guy. <laughs> he goes, I sat in a class with you last year. And he goes, you made my head hurt. And I said, I'm so sorry. He goes, I've never heard somebody rattle off the code of federal regulations or United States, you know, code, the, you know, the USC um, or, or statutes. Or, I don't know what it is. Those, those numbers just click for me, like mm -hmm. modifiers, you know, the memory. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, it clicked. Yeah, and 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 this became my life's work. This became my passion. Because that that's because of where I'm at now, is where you're at with your CPMA, right? I don't have the credential, but that's what I perform on the payer side, right? And I'm listening to you. I'm like, and I, I you know, I've talked to Sanapatel, I've talked to Jordan, uh, I've listened to other people with compliance, and and to me like i'm still this is just more selfish for me <clears throat> it's like trying to figure out that pathway into compliance and sure. and uh i mean one of the um one of the goals that i've had really long time was was the oig you know like really up there uh doing those audits and things like that and and i i i'm listening to and i you know i looked at your podcast I, i'm seeing who's on your podcast you have lawyers you have uh eric rubenstein former oit <laughs> you know and, and it's like it's intriguing so for i guess a question that i have more selfish for me sure. <laughs> i'm sure for other people that are in the same boat is you know you started out with your cpc and you got into auditing then from there kind of walk us through to me or, or the audience how did you get into compliance and you say you got to be the yeah. compliance guy and then you say you're you you sit now at federal uh level court you know yeah. explaining yourself as a, as a as an expert how did you get to that area to that point that's 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 very intriguing to me <laughs> you know Maybe a long story, but you take your time. <laughs> no, I'll keep. I'll keep it short. Yeah, I really don't know how. Um, it, you know, he, I, I want to say a lot of it was um, being in the right place at the right time. Um, yes. but you can only BS your way so far in this industry. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I always, like I said, I always had a passion for healthcare. Um, what became my obsession was the law. 
Um, what became my obsession was regulatory compliance. Mm-hmm. I became fascinated with the Office of the Inspector General yeah. and learning about strike force and learning about all of these different types of programs. And, you know, for me, I, I feel like I'm a career learner because I wasn't, I think the biggest message that I could put out there was a message that I learned on my podcast the other day from just this incredible woman, Jean Marie Loria. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's the CEO of Advise. And what she said was she didn't let her CPC define who she was or who she was going to become. Mm, very nice. And I thought about that and it was so apropos because it was really her defining my life for me because I never let my CPC define who I was or who I was going to be. And it was a matriculation. It's been a lifelong journey of reading, learning, perfecting my craft, learning from mistakes. Gosh knows I've made a lot of mistakes. My wife will tell you, I begin making mistakes the moment I open my eyes in the morning and I don't stop until I start snoring in the evening. (laughs) But you know what? It's, it's being humble. It's being mature enough to recognize that you made a mistake and not trying to defend it, but owning it. Mm. I own my mistakes. Um, you know, I have a team of compliance and auditing professionals that I'm so blessed to work with mm. every single day. Um, but I've, I've put myself out there. And, you know, you brought up the people that are on my podcasts. And I will tell you, I'm incredibly blessed. And I mean that with the utmost sincerity. To have Supreme Court accepted attorneys like Ronald Chapman II, Mm -hmm. who I've done now multiple podcasts with him. Um, Ron Chapman Sr. is going to be one of six panelists on my podcast tomorrow. Uh, Brianna Santoli, who works for the oldest law firm in New Jersey, dating back to 1882. Um, South African physicians, top surgeons here in the United States. Robert Lyles, former, you know, director of the Department of Justice, um, you know, over to Fraud Strike Force. Um, These are incredible people. So when people say, God, you've had wild success with your podcast, um, it's because of the people that I've had on. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah, right. That's right. So let's get into the podcast then, right? So what what got you started with a podcast you just started the podcast five months ago and i'm sure it has to be because of your network that you have and and just the fact of the you mentioned some some heavy hitters uh you know just recently and just having them on i think for for those that are wondering about a podcast how do you make a podcast big get heavy hitters right get some people that are that are well known and and they will help you spread you know your your word right and so you started this thing you said five months ago yeah uh, I'm well walk me through that process what what got you started into podcasting <laughs> so I have nine partners in my firm mm-hmm. and I reached out to one of the partners who's the CEO and I said 
man, with the pandemic, I feel like I'm going stir crazy. Because I'm so used to being on airplanes and yeah. I'm so used to being in front of people. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking about doing a podcast because I haven't been able to find anything along the lines of what I think I would do. And he's like, all right, walk me through it. And I was like, look, I, I've been branded this compliance guy for whatever reason. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it, and it's the truth. Yeah. Um, and, and I've accepted it. And I, and I actually, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say I, I enjoy when somebody calls me up and says, uh Oh, that's your food. Can we, can we pause for one second? Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. All right. I'm so sorry. That's okay. It'll be edited out. Don't worry. Okay. Hold tight. One second. Sure. sure. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I said to him, look, here's the deal. Um, you know, I'm looking for an outlet because I have all this stuff in my head. Mm. Um, all these cases that I'm working on, all these false act, you know, uh, false claims act cases, these healthcare fraud statute cases, start cases, anti-kickback, antitrust. Um, I was even brought in on uh, car accident cases to be able to talk about <laughs> the medical bills. I yeah, mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, I just feel like I have all this information in my head. And if I don't get some of it out, it's going to pop. And he's like, all right, so what do you want to do? And I said, I want to do a podcast. He said, okay, because, <laughs> but there's a million podcasts. And I said, but not in healthcare, in the world of compliance. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's some lawyers that are doing stuff on health law and it's litigation stuff. And it's, unless you're an attorney or you're somebody who's like me, who has nothing to do on a Friday night, except to read law books, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of that stuff is like, so I said, I want to be able to occasionally do a podcast where I could talk about, for example, what is the False Claims Act? What, what is a Kitam case? You know, mm-hmm. how does it, you know, how does a relayer, you know, become a relayer? You know, what is the process of unsealing, you know, a False Claims Act? whistleblower case, all these different things. And I said, but I want to do it differently. I want to bring on regulatory compliance professionals. I want to bring on auditors. I want to bring on nationally recognized people in our industry and interview them and really pick their brains and get them to talk about things that they, that listeners wouldn't be able to glean information from without forcing these people to kind of throw it out there. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I said, look, let's just, you know, he's like, look, let's just do this as an experiment <laughs> <laughs> because anybody who really knows me, you know, knows, you know, uh, I'm look, I try to have a good time with everything that I do. I try not to take myself too seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I said, all right. So he said, I'm going to give you six months to figure this thing out. And I said, fair enough. So 
immediately out of the gate, I was like, episode one has to be colossal. And I had on uh, uh, Robert Lyles, who's former director of the department, you know, deputy director for the Department of Justice, was the first appointed director of the fraud task force uh, appointed by Bill Clinton. Um, Guy was a former hospital administrator, multiple MBAs, multiple degrees, law degrees, getting his PhD. And I was also joined on that very first podcast episode by Mike Cook, who was an attorney with Medicaid and sits on the board of directors. And I was like, that's going to be epic. Wow. Amazing. And, you know, and, and it was kind of interesting because, you know, nobody from my firm was really watching. And I was like, well, heck no. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to put on a suit and tie, man. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be me. Is this where the hat thing came about? Just, just... I am a hat guy. Yeah. You know, so, okay. I, I have a farm with my wife, you know, mm. we have 84, 86 acres, something like that. Wow. And yeah, like, you know, if I'm not sitting at a desk doing this work or if I'm not in a courtroom, I'm on my Mahindra tractor, mm-hmm. you know, well, it's like Jordan Johnson. <laughs> He's on a tractor too, ain't he? All <laughs> dude, doing work I'm, too. <laughs> I am t- yes, that's that's what we do. Like literally, I mean, you know, I, I'm listening to "She Thinks My Tractor's Sexy" by Kenny Chesney, and all of a sudden, <laughs> something will pop into my uh-huh, head. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and I'll call Jordan, and I'll be like, "Hey, man," and you know, he'll, he'll answer the phone and be like. Hey man, what's going on? Look, man, I'm here on this tractor, man. And I was thinking, I was like, dude, just let me get this out first. <laughs> but, um, but you know, anybody who knows me, I mean, this is who I am. I, you know, yeah, I'm forced to wear a suit and tie and all that stuff in court. And, you know, I can be, <clears throat> I can be prim and proper as anybody out there and, you know, put on what I need to for the jury and, Yes, Your Honor. No, Your Honor. Yes, sir. But the, the, the truth is, that's just boring. Mm-hmm. That doesn't and make a good podcast. No. And I figured, let me see what I can get away with because nobody's really watching <laughs> that's it. Right. So out comes the Huey hat. And, uh-huh. you know, here's the Mark Wills, one of my favorite country Western artist singers. Um, and all of a sudden, people were paying attention for whatever reason. I don't know. <laughs> And the metrics started coming in, and just this past week, I was put on notice that uh, there will be no more ball caps, there will be no more t-shirts when we do a live video. Oh, man. so there you have it that is part one of my interview with sean weiss sean thank you for being on the podcast it was so much fun you could check him out on linkedin you could also check out his podcast the compliance podcast and also check out the coffee compliance and chuckleheads also before i end this podcast i do want to thank the National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants for referring Sean to this podcast. I totally appreciate it. I want to give a shout out to Lara Nootbar for helping me out with that. I, again, I appreciate it. You can check out the National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants by going to nschbc.org.
medicalcodinggeek.com.